So hello. Good morning. Thank you. Hello. You can't ask me anything while I'm preaching. I'm taking that off. Um, my name's Jake. For those of you who don't know me, I uh, help out of the church here. I'm kind of on contract. And um, I have had a week, let me tell you. Um, even people with microphones at the front can have weeks. And I have had a week. Uh, it's been interesting. It's been one of these, I don't know if you guys have ever heard this. It's kind of a Christianese term, but God was performing heart surgery, you know, that kind of week where... Uh, like there's just kind of stuff that's weighing heavily and there's pain that you kind of have to seek the Lord on. It's interrupting your thoughts and you, you have to keep praying. So I'm sitting there, I'm trying to prepare a sermon and there's just stuff that's weighing so heavily it's kind of pulling me away. I'm like, God, I've got a speech or something to write here and I can't get off this stuff that's weighing heavily. And it's been, it's been an interesting experience and somehow um, I'm here this morning and there is some stuff to share with you guys. So it might be a little bit unorthodox. We're gonna read from Revelation chapter 22. So if you know the Bible, that's actually the last chapter in the Bible. Uh, we're going there. So yeah, if you want to follow along, um, feel free to open up your phones, open up your Bibles if you have them. Um, I'm reading from the NLT, but I'm going to kind of do a Jake paraphrase. It's not going to be like, I'm just going to, for the sake of time, there's just a couple sections I'm going to kind of skip over. So it might be a little bit difficult, but we're going to read Revelation chapter 22. Um, before we do, why don't we just open up in prayer? This is, uh, this is some crazy stuff we're about to read, you know? It's one of these things that it's almost it's hard to relate to or to feel like it's real, you know? And that's actually kind of why we're reading it. So anyway, let's pray and let's invite God to kind of grab our attention. So Lord, we thank you for everything that you're doing this morning. What a cool thing to see a family come around in a, a new life dedicated to you. Thank you for a country where we can talk about you and worship you openly. We, um, we give you permission to speak to us today. We want to know you more. We're reading about this stuff that's really about the end times, and that's hard to sort of connect with, but I just pray that you would open us up and that we would be open to receive the just kind of belief and faith in the bigger picture that we're a part of, the bigger story that we're a part of in our life. We thank you, God. We welcome you here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's go. This is Revelation 22. It says, then the angel, so this is actually a guy who's, who's got a vision about the end times, the, the Apostle John. So that's what you're, if you have no idea what we're reading, that's what you're about to hear from. So it says, Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him. And they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. It's us, by the way. Then the angel said to me, Everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God, who inspires his prophets, has sent his angel to tell his servants what will happen soon. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. Do not seal up the prophetic words in this book, for the time is near. Let the one who is doing harm continue to do harm. Let the one who is vile continue to be vile. Let the one who is righteous continue to live righteously. Let the one who is holy continue to be holy. Look, I'm coming soon, bringing my, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, 
they will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat from the fruit from the tree of life. Outside the city are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol worshipers, and all who love to live a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. And I solemnly declare, I'm going to skip this part, he who is faithful, he who is the faithful witness to all these things says, yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. That's the end of the chapter. So last week when I was hosting, there was a quote in this, one of the songs that we sung that was talking about every knee will bow. And when I was hosting, I kind of came up here and I, I shared that that's something that's really hard to picture, you know, that, that's, that that'll actually happen, that across the earth, every knee will bow. And the verse says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And I said, you know, that doesn't really feel real to me. And that was kind of the extent of what I shared when I hosted last week. But I think that's a part of what inspired me to go here this week was just a sense that if this is real, I, I want to have a sense that it's real and allow that to inform the way I live. If this is the bigger picture of, of the truth of my life, I just want to know that. I don't want to find out later. I don't want it to be some kind of shocking surprise. I don't want to n- neglect seeking that understanding and that truth in my life and find out later and be like, whoops, you know. In 1 John chapter 2, 28, it says, And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he, when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. So there's instruction in the Bible for that very reason. He's saying, abide in him, abide in Christ, so that when he appears, you'll have confidence. It's like when Jesus comes back, you'll have a confidence. It's like something you were looking forward to, an assurance and a celebration when he comes back. Why is the author saying, amen, come Lord Jesus? I mean, there's a part of this chapter that seems a little daunting, and I want to explain that. So just hang on. If this is feeling a little weird or daunting, I want want to explain something. There's a part in verse 11 that says, from, from, it's just verse 11, let the one who is doing harm continue to do harm, let the one who is vile continue to be vile, the one who is righteous continue to live righteously, and let the one who is holy continue to be holy. And then it says right after, look, I'm coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. And I think if you just took that out of context, it might sound a little bit like karma. It might sound a little bit like, okay, if you're just bad, you just keep being bad. And if you're just good, just keep being good. And Jesus is going to come back and he's going to repay you whether you were good or bad. And it's like, okay. So basically the lesson is, you know, be good and don't do bad and that's it. Why do we come to church? I mean, you kind of get the point, you know. But there's, there's more that happens here and it actually happens later on. And I think that's really impactful. The final word isn't just you're on your own and you're, you're going to be what you're going to be and there's no do- you're doomed and there's no hope to change you. He says later on, this is such a powerful statement. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. And right before that, the spirit and the bride are saying, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. And again, let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. There's another part in the Bible where the phrase, the water of life comes up. And it's actually Jesus speaking again. It's in John chapter seven. Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And then the author interjects and says, when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be, who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not, been given, not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. So fast forward later and Jesus has entered into his glory. We're talking about Jesus who's risen from the dead and lives today. 
the living water is the, is the new life that you're given. They call it, John says it's the spirit in John tap, chapter 7. So what you, what's free for you to take is a new spiritual life. Jesus says you need to be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. And it's free. It's a free gift where you're born again. So you, the, the offer to you is, is what Jesus got up on the cross and died for. He said, I came that I am the way, the truth, and the life. So he came and said, I'm the way for you to get back home. You're not doomed. And I'm going to explain why it isn't karma. So when you're born again in the Holy Spirit, when you say, yes, Jesus, I want, you, I want to receive that forgiveness, that love that you say you have for me, because Jesus is saying that. He's saying, I love you, and there is a way home. It's in me. Allow me to give you new life. Allow me to fill you with my Holy Spirit. And, and that's who you were created to be. That's the bigger picture. It's bigger than the 100-year lifespan you have on earth, if that makes any sense. So when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, Galatians chapter 5 says there's a fruit that the Spirit produces in your life. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the product of what the Holy Spirit produces in your life when you're born again. So when you accept the invitation of Jesus, you're born again, and something's inside of you that's going to start to grow. And that's the fruit that it produces in your life. So let me translate that. If, if Jesus is coming back and is saying, I'm going to bring my reward to repay all people according to their deeds, you, you have a hope because God wants to make it by his power within you. This isn't go try and be good and earn anything. This is an invitation. The spirit and the bride are saying, come. Come and be reconciled to God. You were created to be in relationship with him, to have a closeness. Do you remember in 1 John where I read, it said, now little children abide in him. Other translations say continue in him remain in him it's a closeness you walk through life with jesus it's not about pretending to be something you're not he wants to go through life with you as a friend as a father i love how that verse starts and now little children it's like a dad saying come stay with me walk with me continue in me and that's how you'll know that when he appears you'll have a confidence because you've been walking in life with him and the fruit the, the holy spirit's been producing fruit in your life it's more like a gardener coming back and seeing what he planted to see if it grew it's not about you trying to do something on your own strength. You're not doomed if you feel like you aren't going to measure up when Jesus comes back or you have no chance of living up to some kind of standard. Jesus is trying to rewrite that standard for you. He wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit that's going to produce the good fruits in your life that he's going to come later and see what's grown. Does that make sense? It's according to his power, not according to your work. This is so amazing. It's, again, this is, I'm approaching this from a posture of, I want to get that zoom out. I don't want to, I want, I want to live like that. I don't want to find out later. I want, I want to focus in on this. I'm going to read a large section from Hebrews chapter 11. If you want to, if you want to go there, you can. I'm, I'm in Hebrews 11, 13 to 16, and then I'm going to jump from 35 to 40. This is a famous chapter in the Bible. It's called the, some people call it the heroes of faith or like the hall of fame of faith or something. It's, it's, it's like this long chapter where the author is writing a letter to the Hebrew people and he's reasoning with them, showing them how all the people, like some key characters in the Old Testament live by faith. And here's what he says. This is so amazing. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country that they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. Similarly, if we had longed for the life that we have, we could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. 
I'm jumping ahead to verse 35. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from, from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All of these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them had received all that God had promised. I want you to catch this next verse. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. Whoa. (laughs) That's crazy to me. These people in the Old Testament were looking forward to something, a city that God had prepared for them, a life that was so much bigger than their 100-year existence here on earth. All of us were created for so much more than finding your life in your 100-year existence here on earth. That's what God's saying. You're a part of a bigger picture. God had something better in mind for us that they wouldn't reach perfection without us. I don't know, this is kind of a fun thought, but have you ever thought about the fact that you just woke up one day? Like you didn't like try really hard to, be, to exist? Wow, here I am, hello. I'm a human being, okay. Like, I don't know, that's a weird thought, but like, whoa, that's crazy. You know, and it, it, life is so much bigger than 100 years. It's not like, okay, I'm here, but you know, life is kind of rough and if this is all there really is, that's, that isn't always encouraging to some people. Life's kind of tough here, and if that's all there is, that's not really that encouraging. But he's saying you're a part of a bigger story and that they would not reach perfection without you. History is, history, like you are a part of that same plan that God would include you in the bigger picture. Colossians chapter three, verse two says, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are not on things that are on earth. So he's saying, if this is the bigger picture, if you were truly created for more than a 100-year existence, if you're truly going to reign forever with him because you've been given a new life freely by the love of God and Jesus, you've accepted the gift of Jesus, that living water that's free, set your mind on those things. That's the bigger picture. If you set your minds here on thing on, if you, <laughs> sorry, if you set your minds that are on earth, you're, you're, you're missing that. And it actually gets even stronger. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, he says, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will find it. You'll save it. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. If you try and find yourself here, if you're content with this, like the life that you've been given here, and, and that's enough, He's saying that you're allowed to do that, but the invitation is like a loving dad saying, you were created for more than this. You were created for more than just existing here. There is so much more available to you. And the most beautiful part is that it's that free gift of living water. That it's, it's a supernatural power. I don't know how else to describe it. You will find a peace and a, like a, a meaningfulness in life and a zest for life that you just just isn't possible trying to do it without Christ. I know that that's really hard and I'm not asking you to take a step that you're not comfortable doing because you've got to know him to know that you can trust him and that's something that grows. But he is saying that there is a bigger picture. Can I just remind you of this one verse in uh, Revelation 22 that we read? They will reign forever and ever. Listen, if you're like me, like that, that might not 
That, that's meaningful to me. That's like, whoa, there's so much more than I can see. I'm not claiming that I have it all fully understood. But wow, I hope you see that you, like, I hope you see that there's just so much more. I hope, you, I hope it's life-giving because it's not about your own action. It's about allowing God to have the place that he wants to have within your life. I want to give you, I want to equip you with an understanding that's going to give you a confidence when Jesus comes back. I mean, if you're, if you're not convinced that that's real, that's okay, but let's just, let's take this hypothetically. I think the invitation is that if there's anything inside of you that wonders if this is real, I think it's worth finding out. I think it's worth at least exploring if this might be real. Let's go back to 1 John chapter 2. He said, abide in him, and that's how we'll have a confidence. I think it can be explained. I think it's helpful to include another passage that'll give you an understanding of what it means to abide in him. Second, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5 to 11 says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. Excuse me, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you practice these qualities, and another translation says that if they are yours and they are increasing, Basically, it's just that if you continue to walk with him, you remember how I described abiding with Christ, living life with him, allowing him to speak into your life and staying close to him? He longs for a closeness with you. And when, he's, when, he's, when you're walking with Christ, he's going to bring you into a greater uh, conformity to that new creation you are. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, there's a new creation. And, you, and it's perfect. It's for, like all the sin is wiped away and it's just who you're joined back to Jesus. And you grow in how... Uh, you grow in your conformity to that image. That's some weird language. What am I trying to say? Like you, you, you look more like Jesus. That grows, that increases in your life as you walk with him. The Holy Spirit continues to bear fruit and it increases. Being disciples, abiding in him, walking with him through life is being in a state where you're able to be transformed in your thinking. You're, you're, you're open and willing to allow God to alter your thoughts. You're open and allowing, you're allowing God to, to speak into your life, to change the way you might think or live about something. Matthew chapter 3, verse 8 says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. So you bear fruit. That Holy, the Holy Spirit inside of you bears that fruit and your life changes. You start to love more. You have more peace in your life, more self-control. That increases in keeping with repentance. Repentance in the Greek is metanoia. And if any of you were at metanoia, the vineyard conference last year, we learned about that word. Um, it means to think again. It means to change your way of thinking. So you're staying in a position where you're allowing God to influence your life, to change your way of thinking on something, to allow him to parent you and show you a better way. You bear fruit in just allowing him to do that. You bear fruit in keeping in that state. So when you walk with him, he's like a dad that wants to speak into your life and wants to show you a better way. Jesus describes this. He says, first clean, he's talking to the Pharisees. He says, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside may also be clean. That's a weird analogy. Why are we talking about cups and plates? What he's talking about is us. It's human beings. It's something that's internal. You clean the inside of the cup and the plate and the, the whole thing will be clean. It's something that's internal. 
the, the changes that God will do. It's actually by his power, the, the, the change that he'll bring. James chapter 1 says, Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Something that's planted inside of you, you receive. God's offering it ready to you. Remember how I said that living water was free? He's offering it to you, and it's something that's going to be according to his power changing you. You receive with meekness that implanted word that's able to save your souls. In that sense, saving your souls means souls. Uh, there's some debate on what souls means, but just for the purpose of this, it's your mind, your will, and your emotions. Let's understand it like that. So you've been made perfect in Christ. You have a new creation. Your spirit is perfect, and your soul is kind of what you look like here, your mind and your will and your emotions. It's how you are here. So your souls, who you are here, gets, look, starts to look more like Jesus as you receive with meekness that implanted word. What that looks like is allowing him to change your thinking, learning what he teaches his disciples in the Bible, encountering the Holy Spirit and saying, God, I need you to change me, I need your help. This isn't something I can do on my own and crying out to him in prayer or with a friend or just seeking him. He's not limiting his ways to some weird, superstitious, magical ways to reach you. Seek God, seek first his kingdom and he will change you. He will clean you and your whole life will be changed. And you'll find that it, it fits, it feels fulfilling. The life that God's called you to with him is, is so much more satisfying. When Jesus, you remember when Jesus was talking about the, the living water, there's another, there's another passage where he says, anybody who has a drink of this water shall never thirst again. It's like you've, you've, you've found who you are. Something speaks to a deep place inside of you that you know you couldn't find it anywhere else. It's such a fulfilling and crazy thing. That was a lot of stuff that was fire hose. Um, I hope even a little bit hit home, but the basic premise of what I wanted to share with you guys today was just my journey of saying, God, I don't want to find out later. Would you make this real to me if this is the bigger picture? If this is the bigger picture, I want to know. I want to allow him to show me, the, 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 to show me that and to show me who I am. I want to abide in him. I want to get closer to him and bear that fruit. I want to make that choice because I don't want to shrink from him in shame at his coming back. I want to stand before him in confidence. Be like a woohoo moment, you know? More, more than a woohoo. That was pretty lame. Something like that. Mm. Forever is a really, really long time. Is a really, really long time. So I guess I want to close like this. I guess I want to just, I guess I'm just going to pray. And I want to give us an opportunity for you to pray too, to speak internally inside of you. And just, even if it's a small little inclination of God, if this is real, would you, sh would you show that to me? This isn't real. And I want to just start by taking that step of God. Help me to see the bigger picture. Don't let me hit the snooze button on this and find out later. No more snooze button. Let's allow God to have the place that he wants and believe, taking a step in believing that he wants to change you, that he loves you and is eager to do so. He's like, a, let, let me just read one more passage. I was going to go here and I kind of forgot. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I'll give you rest. The living water, if you, are, if you are heavy and carrying heavy burdens, he wants to give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. 
He's not trying to scare you with some kind of big picture of eternity and some kind of crazy ultimatum. There's a reverence that I think is appropriate there. Like, okay, let's not hit the snooze button. Let's not do that. But he's not trying to scare you into anything. He's, he says about himself that I am humble and gentle at heart. You'll find rest for your souls in him as you allow him to teach you. So as best you're able this morning, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. If you're thirsty for living water, if you do not want to hit the snooze button and you want to invite God to it, just open us up even a little crack. God, is this real? Am I, am I more than this hundred years? Would you speak to me and would you show me? I want to receive that word inside of me that, that says that you say is going to change me, that's going to bear fruit that's good, that's going to be a relationship that brings me close to you, that no one can change and that's eternal. So that when you come back, I want to be confident. Let's pray. God, as I discover more of you, it's, it's um, humbling and pretty awesome. It's pretty crazy to just think about the fact that I woke up one day, that I'm a creation, and it's kind of weird to think that this is all an accident and that it's all going to just end as my life ends. And this is some crazy stuff. This is hard stuff to sort of feel real. But I thank you that, that you really instill that change in us. God, I invite you to make this real within me, to help me to see you for who you are. Help me to see you and the invitation that you're offering. When you're saying, come, let anybody who hears this come. If you are thirsty, come and drink the living water. Anybody, you have not gone too far. He wants to pay the price for that sin. He wants to bring you back home. Anything that would separate you from him, he wants to pay for and parent you and walk with you as a friend closeness in life. I thank you, God, that you are humble and gentle and that you give us rest. I pray that you'd come now, Holy Spirit, and that you would speak to us, that you would make this real within us, and that each of us would be able to take a little step towards you and say, God, change me. Make this real. I change my way of thinking. truth of being a son or a daughter of God is, in, is just accepting that invitation to allow him to pay and bring you back close. If it's helpful this morning and you want to take a step, sometimes it's helpful to make a step with your, with your body is just putting a stick in the ground. If you want to stand up, you can do that. If you need to go pray, you want to come to the front and pray, you're welcome to do that. If you want to just take a step with your body as a way of putting a stick in the sand and saying, God, I'm, I'm making a decision today. I want to come home. I need to change my thinking on this. You're welcome to do that. I pray, Father, that all the lies that we've believed about ourselves and how we perceive this, it's so religious, it's not karma, but we're so inclined to thinking that way, that if we're good, we're good, and we're bad, we're bad. And it's, it's just never going to change. 
I pray that you would rewrite that and show us that you died on the cross for a reason, that you see within us the potential to be back with you and living with you, to be joined together in the vine, to, that you want to fill us with that. You want to fill us with yourself and with a new life. Come, Holy Spirit, and speak your truth. We would not carry shame and burdens any longer, but that we would learn from you. you want to keep praying you can keep praying i'm just going to share one more quick thought is that oh i'm running pretty long jeez okay quick thought um the journey of being a disciple of christ where you're always allowing him to change your thinking that kind of constant state you stay in it might sound exhausting it might sound like oh my goodness i don't know if i can live that life where i'm always having to be corrected and oh god i need you and that that might sound exhausting but the humility of it is actually beautiful the thing that it exhausts and harms is pride it, it, it it's a pride of it's it's sometimes hard to admit that we need that does that make sense it's hard to admit that it's hard to be in a state where you're abiding in him in the sense that you're always in need of his way of thinking differently so i just wanted to leave that with you not i'm not trying to hit you with a hammer here i just mean that if it's feeling challenging be open to the idea that, that freedom is really in humility, that you don't want to try and do this on your own strength. But this, the state that it, he, he, just, he just finished saying, you know, I want to lift burdens off you. I want to take those things from you. Mm. 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 